How is your work life going? Business? Home? Social? How about your health? Could you make some changes? Of course you could, but how and where to start? This is Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. In this program, we'll help you identify and make the changes in your life that need to be made. And by doing so, increase your potential for success. And now, here's your host, Hemda Mizrahi. Welcome to Turn the Page. I'm Hemda Mizrahi. I'm joined today by social entrepreneur Mac Pritchard, who's based in Portland, Oregon. Mac is the founder and publisher of Mac's List, which is an online community that has become a go-to resource for people who are looking for meaningful work in Oregon and also the southwestern region of Washington State. Mac also owns and operates Pritchard Communications, a public relations agency that serves organizations whose missions are focused on social change. Mac, welcome to the show. It's such a pleasure to have this conversation with you. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, Hamda. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. And I'd love to start by talking a bit about the two businesses that you run and the business model that you've put in place for each of them. As you articulated on PritchardCommunications.com, your businesses share the goal of making the world a better place. They do, and they are separate operations. We work from a, an office in downtown Portland, Oregon, and there are eight of us who work on the, on the two businesses, Hemda. One is a public relations company, as you mentioned, Pritchard Communications. We just celebrated our 10th anniversary, and we serve foundations, nonprofits, and purpose-driven brands. And I came to that work after a career as a communications director for nonprofits, elected officials, and public agencies. And then the, the second company, maxlist.org, is an online community for people who are looking for rewarding creative work and employers who want to connect with people like that. And it began as a side project, a, a way of networking. And, and now uh, the site attracts about 80,000 visitors a month. And we just had our first million page view month in June. So it's, it's quite an audience. And in addition to job listings, uh, visitors to the, to the site will find practical nuts and bolts advice about job hunting and career management. And they can get that through a blog, a weekly podcast, and, and books, and, and other content. You offer such a, a great example to other entrepreneurs in the sense that it seems as though your businesses reflect so much of who you are and your values. You put so much of yourself into them, into the brand. And also it's interesting from the standpoint of entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs who are listening to look at the realities in terms of what it's like when you're able to, over time, grow a business and in your case, two businesses the intricacies of that. And it sounds like it was a very natural process for you that became more and more deliberate. Well, it takes time to grow uh, businesses. And as I mentioned, uh, the public relations company, I've been at it for 10 years. And it was a very different kind of uh, operation when I started. It was a, I, I did it half time. I was a, working as a sole proprietor, basically as a consultant. And as the years went by and I attracted more clients, I added more staff. But along the way, I had to learn how to run a, a public relations business. And I had not come up through the agencies in the private sector. 
So that was a new field, and it took me time to master those skills and to get better at it. And I'm I'm still learning. Uh, uh, I've made more than my share of mistakes along the way, but I've, I found that if you you know you invest the time in and learning how to how to run a business, and you surround yourself with people who are good at that, and uh, not only learn from them but work with them, you'll see positive results. And then the the online community maxlist.org people look at it now and they say oh gosh you're so successful well it's it's like a 16 year overnight success and uh, i mean it started out just as a way of connecting with people it was a very small list that reached with a few dozen people who wanted to get job postings from me and today we still have a a list it it goes out in the form of a newsletter list of new jobs we've published that week. And that newsletter that used to go out to a few dozen people now reaches 24,000. And it is an impressive number, but it, it, it took a number of years uh, to get there. And along the way, I also had to learn how to run an e-commerce site. And that's a very different business and a different model than uh, a public relations agency. Well, I, I'm thinking of the word steady as I'm listening to you, because I think at the core, though, of what you do, which is not always the case when we start a business, is that it's something that is was very purpose-driven for you. And so it was something that you wanted to stick with long-term to kind of go through all of the different paces and hoops and learning curves that you had to go through in order to achieve this continuous growth and expansion. So I'm just wondering also from the lens of the advice that you might give to some of your clients of your PR agency, if you have some suggestions that you can offer to entrepreneurs who are working really hard and they feel like they're struggling in terms of getting into that zone where there is a steady growth mode that they're seeing in their businesses? It's a great question. And I've seen the most growth uh, in both of my businesses when I've been at my clearest about who I serve, understand what their problems are, and am very clear about the solution I offer to those problems. And I know that sounds basic, but in the beginning with a public relations company, I took the approach that I would serve anybody. And when I got clear about the services I offered and, the, and my strengths and who I wanted to serve, then I saw growth. And I also saw more satisfaction in the work I was doing and and among the the people working with me as well. So know who you want to serve, what their problems are, what keeps them up at night, and build or offer services that are going to solve those problems, and the growth will come. Uh, And be patient. It it takes time. And you need to be resilient, too. Uh, A lot of people will say no to you along the way, no matter how well you understand their problems and and no matter how valuable the services are that you offer to addressing those problems, you got to get used to rejection. I, early in my career, did a lot of sales and fundraising and I continue to do sales, obviously, but that has served me well later in life because, you know, you, you certain number of people are going to hang up or close the door or say no to whatever offer you're making and learning how to handle that rejection and move on it's a very valuable skill to have. To me, it also comes back what you're saying to, when you talk about clarity, it's again that idea of what your personal experiences have been that can help you to sustain a motivation and a drive in your work. Because if you're merging the two, if you're not just doing something 
that will enable you to earn a living, but something actually that you see for yourself as being a very uniquely designed purpose for you in life, then it gives you a lot of endurance. And so some of the clarity also for who are the clients you're serving, what are their pain points, what are the clear, concrete solutions that you can provide and letting them know that that's what you can do in a very clear way also stems from your personal life experience and some of the challenges you've been able to address and resolve in your own life. I think that's a very important point you're making. And uh, we all want work that has purpose and meaning. And we need to understand you know, what gives our work, whatever career or, or occupation we choose, a purpose. And it doesn't have to be social change work, but knowing why you enjoy doing that and what your why is, is just vital, whether you're running a business or you're uh, going to a job every day. For me, the the fundamental value that runs through all of my different jobs and, and is central to my two businesses is is service, uh, service to others. And it's it was an important value I learned from my parents and um, and my extended family and 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 growing up in the community I did. And it's something I've tried to apply throughout my career and and in in the work I do today. So there's an experience of authenticity that people really register when they communicate with you. I would guess that helps prospective clients to be interested in getting to the point of enlisting your services. And I think that's true of of any good business relationship. Uh, We want to work with people who enjoy what they do and are, are good at it and are authentic. And I, I think many of us, and I, I certainly did early in my career and struggle with that why and, and being authentic. I think sometimes we're tempted to tell our, our bosses or our clients what they want to hear. And I can understand why that might make sense in the short run. You think, well, I, I have to hold on to this job or I have to get this contract. And sometimes when you tell people what they they don't want to hear, you'll you'll get rejection. But in the long run, uh, my experience has been you'll get more satisfaction out of your job or out of your work as a business owner when you're when you are authentic and real and and direct and candid with with the people you serve. Right. So it sounds like a clear message here is about focus and about really putting out there and doing something that reflects your own life force, what resonates with you, because that's what's going to reach people and that's what's going to kind of take take you all those miles that you would never anticipate you'd need to travel in running your business. Yes, I agree. And I think it's also important to acknowledge that your purpose may change and that definition might evolve. We're going to be in the workplace, whether we're running a business or working in a job for 30, 40 years. And the things that motivate and inspire us in our 20s will be different than what motivates and inspires us in our 30s and 40s and beyond. So I think we need to recognize that that purpose is going to uh, evolve, and, but we, we need to always take it into consideration and, and never lose sight of it. And that also, I would think, reflects the growth path of your business. The shifting purpose that you have opens windows into the opportunities that you have to expand or shift the course of your organization. Absolutely. And I think most business owners have this experience. You you start off offering one set of services and 
you get a project or a new client and you discover a new service that you really enjoy providing or you excel at, at, at giving and the word gets out. You start attracting other clients who want that same service because they've heard good things about the work that you've been doing. And that's part of the fun of a business, growing a, a new line of products or, or, or service. But it also applies to careers, too, because we get to do different things in our careers. Uh, I don't think anybody wants to be doing the same thing the first couple of years, 30 years later in job. And so that opportunity to grow and to, to excel as we master new skills think is a big part of what gets us out of bed in the morning and and gives us satisfaction in our work. Kind of brings me back to this whole idea of a mission statement. And I know uh, Stephen Covey in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, in one of his chapters talks about constructing a personal mission statement. If you Google Mm -hmm. his name and mission statement or personal mission statement, he actually offers an online tool that enables people to develop free of charge a personal mission statement, a family mission statement, a team mission statement that's based on their values and their highest goals, as he puts it. So I wanted to insert that because I know that in, in when your purpose changes, then you also may need to revisit what you're defining concretely as your mission statement. Yeah, I think having a mission statement for a business is is really important. And I'll be candid, uh, in our public relations business, I, I didn't have a mission statement until four years ago. And the process of creating that and working with the team to get clear about it and then applying it to our work on a regular basis helped us grow as an agency. It also helped us be clear about the value we offered to clients and prospects. And it, it helped us get clear about who we wanted to serve. And that made us much more effective at business development because we weren't trying to be all things to all people. We were clear about what we were good at and the the difference we could make and what we had to offer. And w- once you niche down like that, so many things get so much easier. It's such a great point that you're bringing up because it, it brings to mind also an important strategy when you're running a business is having a perspective that it's always a work in progress. And that's an obvious statement. But what I mean in practice, though, is that sometimes we might hesitate to move forward with a certain idea or venture because we think we have to have more of our ducks lined up. And the whole idea, though, is that you can run a successful business and just allow yourself that time to evolve. Like one of our favorite restaurants here in New York City had a renovation last summer and closed for a month. And when we first came back, we thought, oh, we liked the previous decor a lot more. Mm. But now, a year later, we say, oh, wow, this is a much better decor. But they didn't wait until they had all the paintings up and chosen. They kind of made a bare renovation because obviously they were losing profit during the time they were closed. Mm. And they relied on their loyal customers to still come back. And eventually, over time, they, they refined the design and it was really wonderful. So it seems that you're speaking to that as well. Yes, I, I think. Whenever we launch a new product or service, it's it's not going to be perfect, uh, but it's best to get something that it has to have value, but to get it out there. And then you can improve it in large part because you'll hear from people 
what's working and what's not. You know, with MaxList.org, we have a, a weekly podcast. We just celebrated our 100th episode. We publish every Wednesday. I bring it up because I'm very proud of all the shows we've done, but I have gone back and listened to the first 10 or 20. And, uh, and you know, it's I wince a little because uh, there's so much that I know now <laughs> that I didn't know when my co-host and I did those first 20 episodes. And it's just part of the learning process. You've got to go through it. I, I remember listening to a podcast on podcasting, and one of the guests said, well, there's just a certain amount of bad radio inside all of us. We just have to get out. <laughs> and you have to get through it. Like, yeah. when you shut your pipes down, you turn them back, you got to let the water run a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that idea is uh, applicable to, to all business products and services. It's not going to be perfect in the beginning. But once you know, you're clear about what you want to try, get it out there and you're, you're going to get invaluable feedback and you're going to learn so much as you do it that in six months, 12 months, it's going to continue to improve. But you've got to start somewhere. Right. And that's also another critical point about being an open system of sorts so that you can actually get the feedback that's going to help you have more rapid improvement in what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, some companies are big enough and have uh, large enough budgets that they can go out and hire the best people in the world or in the region who who are good at something. But for small business owners and even medium size, we don't have the budgets to hire the people who are the best at the best. But that doesn't mean that we can't provide great service and most importantly, learn how to do these things well and teach and help our uh, the people who work with us learn how to do these things. Because people love to learn, the best workers, the best managers. And when you provide an opportunity for them to do that, they're not only going to thrive, they're more likely to stay with you uh, as the years go by. Mac, there are entrepreneurs who waver between looking for work through an employer, let's say a part-time opportunity, if they see that they're not generating enough business through their own entrepreneurial venture. So it's kind of this, they want to have the flexibility in their schedule. They want to have the creative autonomy. And that can be challenging to find with an employer. And I'm interested to hear about, for you, the ways that you've expanded the work that you're doing such that it's more of a complete offering and you can really focus on entrepreneurship. So just taking MaxList as an example, there's a combination of services and products that you offer free of charge. Like you have your job listings for the person who's looking for work. Obviously, the employers who are listing pay a fee to list positions in their organizations. You also have your blog. You have your podcast that you offer to the community as a free of charge resource. You have your two books and you have online courses. So can you talk about that balance of needing to offer things as as you put it when we spoke before the podcast, you were talking about the importance of building awareness and trust with your prospective customer or client. So how do you balance your investment in resources that you're offering free of charge and then the combination of ones that you're offering at cost? Well, you I think building that relationship with potential customers is is so important. And we're big believers in both companies of what's called content marketing. And I imagine many of your listeners are familiar with that idea. Uh, what we do is 
provide valuable information that solves problems for the people that we want to serve. And we're clear about who those people are because we've invested in consumer research and we engage those people regularly through surveys and other ways. In both businesses, we have a blog that regularly provides uh, useful information that people can use. And uh, we also provide some low-cost products. And you mentioned the book. And, and those are very affordable, uh, 15 to $20. For people who want to take a deeper dive, that's an, another way to engage them. And, and if they take the time to read the book, it's going to be a, not only a level of awareness, but trust um, that's going to make them more likely to say yes to buying other products and services that are more expensive. It takes time to build trust. I know there's research out there that says you ha- have to connect with a prospect for a business seven to 10 times before they're ready to buy. So you've got to, in order to, to build those relationships, again, it comes back to our earlier point in the conversation about being clear about who you serve. You've also got to put systems in place to get that information in front of them. We do it through newsletters and through marketing and promotion of our free content. And sometimes when people hear free, they, it means uh, less than valuable. We're really clear about what the needs and problems are of the people we want to serve. And we're proud of the free content we put out because uh, we try to make it insanely valuable. But you've got to have a way of getting in front of people because, as you know, there's so many demands on our attention. And we have found if you provide useful information and you put systems in place to get it in front of people regularly, they're much more likely to buy your product or service than if you just send them an email out of the blue that says, here's something great, you should buy it. Right. So the consistency of interaction is really important. As, and as you mentioned, also, essentially, you're reflecting the clarity that you've gained about the needs and values of your clients in your marketing and sales strategy. So Something like your blog is a, still a very strategic offering. It's linked into your marketing and sales strategy. Yes, our blog is in MaxList. Uh, again, we think about the people we want to serve, what their needs are, and we build an editorial calendar with topics that address those needs. It's also a way of, of networking and connecting with other influencers in the career space. And so we do invite people who have great information to share that would be valuable to our readers to guest post on our blog. And that's a way of building relationships with influencers and and candidly potential business partners. But again, it's driven by the needs of the readers. And nobody is going to find our blog unless we tell them it's there. So we we do have a, a newsletter that goes out every week that contains links to our, our that week's blog posts. And we do uh, spend a lot of time on list building, persuading people to sign up for that newsletter because it's, you know, in the internet world, it, it's, if you're out of sight, you're out of mind. And so you got to get an, uh, in front of people. And one of the most effective ways to do that remains email. People keep predicting its demise. It's been going on for two decades now, but people pay attention to what's in their email box, something Research shows that we all check several dozen times a day. And so if you can get someone to give you their email address, and they'll do that if you have something valuable that they want and need, 
you've got an opportunity there to build a relationship that can eventually lead to a very profitable business relationship. But again, it's it has to be based on service and what the need of that customer are and the value of the solution you offer. You talked about a couple of additional strategies to build relationships over the long term, build trust. And one that you mentioned was engaging collaborators, subject matter experts who can contribute more value to the people that you serve. And at the same time, it's mutually beneficial for them to participate in your community. And then also the market research that you invest in to be very focused in the blog content and other types of content that you're offering to make sure that it really meets the needs of that specific audience. Yes, these are all important steps and they do require an investment of of money and time. I do meet business leaders and candidly nonprofit leaders who think that you can skip a lot of these steps or can be done cheaply by recruiting a student intern or somebody or a young person, young adult who's who loves social media. Marketing and sales is is like any other important function in a organization. You've got to invest time and money into it and you get what you pay for. So this is not something you can do on the side or or rely on volunteer or student interns to do. Mac, are there any suggestions that you have in terms of resources that are cost-effective and really valuable for market research? I think most small businesses have some kind of newsletter or access to the big newsletter providers like Constant Contact or MailChimp. And I think, and, and, and there are other providers out there too, they all have websites with online tutorials. Uh, and I would encourage particularly small business owners to, to invest time in learning those things, uh, looking at that content. And just if you can get the basics right, it can make a huge difference. So I, I would encourage people to start there. At Pritchard Communications, we offer a blog we publish every week about how to do communications effectively. Again, our we serve purpose-driven brands and foundations and nonprofits. And much of the content is at a beginner level because that's where many of our clients are. So that, that would be a good place to start as well. Right. So just like you offer educational content to help your clients to move along their own continuum, it's the same thing when you're an entrepreneur. So if you're listening and you're feeling overwhelmed by all of these steps that are involved, if you're thinking you have to redirect in ways to incorporate these strategies, still, it's a process of pacing yourself. And you can even start with one very clear pain point that you have felt in your own life and some clear solutions that you can offer. And as you say that, Hamda, I can imagine people might feel overwhelmed. And to just make it more manageable, I would encourage them to get clear about their mission statement and who their ideal customer is. And you don't have to hire a research firm to figure these things out. Business owners know who they enjoy serving best. And taking time to, to write that down and, uh, and get input from key staff members and employees about who, especially those who deal with customers on the most frequent basis, getting their input about who their best customers are, what they enjoy providing those customers, what the problems are, 
this is something you could do in, in, a, in just a, a few conversations. Write it down, apply it, and use it in your sales and marketing. And it can make a big difference. I, I think many business owners, I see this in the nonprofit world too, people think about sales and marketing and communications. They go straight to tactics. They think, okay, I need a, a newsletter or I need a brochure or I need a, a website. I encourage them to step back and think about the, the things we've been talking about. Who do they want to serve? What's the solution they offer? And what makes their company or organization unique? What, what, how are they different? If you can answer those three questions, you are going to be head and shoulders above many of your competitors. Using what you know about yourself and your own mission and then engaging the feedback of your community then can be a really good launching pad. And this is whether you're interested in starting a business. If you've had a business for 20 years, sometimes you need to come back to this place as well. Agreed. And, and you made this point earlier. Businesses are evolving. They're, they're growing. Businesses that aren't growing eventually don't survive. Nothing stands still. And that's certainly a tug of war that I hear. I've spoken with a number of individuals who said they're working with organizations and then the people who created them and run them, they say they have a hard time with the whole change process because they're saying, well, this work has worked for us all these years, so why should we shift gears and do it differently? So there's a tug of war that happens. That is very common. And I think this goes back to our earlier discussion about purpose. Why? What is the purpose of this business? And is the current approach, the current strategies accomplishing that purpose? It seems like it's very helpful, the quantification that you've been doing, because it also, it helps you to recognize and celebrate the milestones, like you're mentioning that you're at your 100 episodes, and you talk about the subscription base that you have for MaxList, being very aware of the numbers, and even something like you were talking about most consumers need to have seven to 10 contacts before they buy a product, right? And you described to me, too, that your blog, let's say, the posts range from about 600 to 1,000 words, whereas if you move along the continuum of your offerings, your online courses are much more in-depth and focused. You have 12 modules as part of a course, video and homework. You have FaceTime live sessions where people can ask questions and also have access to you and your team. So it's that whole idea that there's this growth process that's happening that you can very concretely describe the benchmarks and the differences between one stage and another. Thank you for pointing that out. It's a work in progress and we're building out different products and services as we go along. We can't do it all overnight, but the vision here is to have products and services that take people through a journey because in the case of MaxList, we're serving job seekers who have different needs depending on, on where they are in a, either a job search or their career. And sometimes they just need quick information that can be gleaned from a blog post uh, or even a social media post. Other times, they, they need an, uh, intensive, in-depth content, and uh, a course with 12 or more modules can provide that. So we want to meet people where they are. And I think successful businesses figure that out and provide products and services that accomplish that. 
Well, Mecca, I want to thank you so much beyond the contributions of this show, which I think are really invaluable to the consumer market that you serve and also to entrepreneurs who are in their journey offering some wonderful strategies and suggestions. Also, just to thank you for the work that you do broadly in the community. And I'd like to encourage listeners to learn more, take a deeper dive into your content. So if you're searching for work or career management advice, I would encourage you to explore maxlist.org, and that's M-A-C-S-List.org, as a valuable resource that offers job postings for those in the Oregon and southwestern Washington area, and career guidance that's relevant across very diverse geographies. And if you're a social change organization seeking to improve your strategic communications, you can reach out to Mac and his team through PritchardCommunications.com. And that's P-R-I-C-H-A-R-D communications.com. And Mac, I just wanted to invite you to talk a little bit about both your book and your podcast. Well, thank you. Uh, We do have a weekly podcast we publish on Wednesdays. It's called Find Your Dream Jobs. In every episode, we talk to a different career expert about the nuts and bolts of job hunting and career management. And we just, as I mentioned earlier, celebrated our 100th anniversary or 100th episode, which is a big milestone for us. And we also have a book, Land Your Dream Job Anywhere. And it lays out in eight chapters all the basic steps you need to take to get clear about your job search goals, how to put together an effective job application, how to network, how to do informational interviews. And the reason we do both the book and the podcast is we find many job seekers struggle with how to look for work. Uh, Many of us didn't learn how to do this in college or high school. We learn it by trial and error. And the result is a lot of frustration along the way. And we want to make that journey a lot less painful. And so our, our books, our podcast, our blog, and other content will, will help people get their next job easier and faster, and most importantly, get the job they're most excited about and want. And you told me about a really nice special offer for oh, listeners yes. who've turned the page I, I think regarding a chapter of your book. Yes. And so if people would like to learn more about the book, thank you, Hemda. They can visit maxlist.org slash turn the page and, and they can download the first chapter of Land Your Dream Job Anywhere for free. Thank you for that. Well, thank you. I also would like to invite listeners, if you have comments or unanswered questions about today's episode, I welcome you to share them by emailing me at hosthemda at gmail.com. You can also share comments and questions by following me on Twitter at hemdamizrahi and liking us on Facebook at Life and Career Choices. Until next time, remember to make the grass greener where you are. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, inviting you to turn the page. Thank you for tuning in to our program. Till next week's show, enjoy your weekend and make one change in your life before then.